Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. On our latest show, with the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, what other music biopics do we have in mind? The future of Blizzard after BlizzCon, and should the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame still be called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our programs. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the lead singer at Humanica Media. You gotta check out all the great things going on today at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Get ready to sing that high note, my friend. It's another great week coming up in pop culture. Yep. Super stoked, man. Super stoked. Lots of good pop culture stuff going on here. And I'm actually looking forward to this conversation we're about to have here. So without further ado, please lead on. Thank you, my friend. I just want to go ahead and let everybody know we've got a great episode along with our talks as well coming up in regards to some great music biopic ideas we have with the success of Bohemian Rhapsody. Also as well, on the back end of the show, we'll be talking about the latest updates that went on at BlizzCon and the future of Blizzard itself because I think right now it's kind of like a transition year, not a whole lot of great news. And going forward, is Blizzard status as the top of the food chain when it comes to the AAA game market, is that still there or is it changing because of all the other great games that are out there? We'll talk about that at the back end of the show. Plus, also as well, we have Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He's going to recap some stuff that went on in week nine in the NFL. Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She's going to be stopping by to talk cable outlets and the CW, which she absolutely loves and adores everything that's going on in the CW. And also Mike Faber from the ESO Network and also Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast. I threw out this question with all the changes and what goes on with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the way the voting process and the election and the nominees process has occurred over the years. Should the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame still be called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? We're going to have that conversation here coming up in a little bit as well. I want to thank everyone out there for watching our live streams over the weekend both your PCC Gamescast, an extra special long one for everyone out there, and also my stream on Mixer of Gears of War, all to benefit everything that was going on with Extra Life. And of course, 
our charity that we're related with, with our good friends at Retro City Games when it comes to supporting the St. Rose Dominican Hospitals here in the Las Vegas area. If you'd still like to go ahead and contribute, we have a link that's up on the Retro City Games Facebook page, and it's also been plastered all over our social media on Game Source, Humanica Media, and Pop Culture Cosmos as well. Hopefully, you'll be able to go ahead and contribute, and if you do, thank you so much for doing so. Doing a little bit more house cleaning, my friend. PopCultureCosmos.com is live. You got to check it out today. There's so many great reviews, articles, and so much more. Not only stuff that we transferred over from our WordPress site, but also as well a lot of new things that we've put out there, including a top 200 video game list that our followers out there voted on. And we just cannot thank them enough for taking the time to do so. So that, again, is our top 200 list. You got to check it out for the top 200 video games of all time now at popculturecosmos.com, including all the links to all of our shows, all of our, our podcasts and all that. It's right there, whether it's Pop Culture Cosmos, Manica Media, and everybody else that's a great part of our Pop Culture Cosmos scene. Josh, I know you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings like I am. And one of the things that November is all about is great deals. We will again be posting a lot of great deals for Black Friday. So you got to stay tuned to our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page and also our social media. You got to check that out because I will be going ahead and trying to do everything I can to keep everyone updated on the Black Friday deals that mean the most to everyone out there when it comes to pop culture. So you're going to see a lot of stuff for video games, maybe movies, maybe consumer electronics. You're going to be seeing a lot of stuff coming up in the coming weeks. I'm going to, again, try to devote another page to a lot of those great deals. So you'll be able to go and check out popculturecosmos.com. But my friend, this week, did you get a chance to see the blowout special from Amazon when it comes to Lord of the Rings and the extended version on Blu-ray? Oh, did you get it? You ordered it? precious i honestly i absolutely love those movies and as much crap as the hobbit gets i ordered the extended trilogy and i absolutely love it because you 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 got the did you get the extended of the hobbits or the extended of the lord of the rings i got them both i got the hobbit for christmas but i've i've had the lord of the rings one but here's my thing precious see these movies are already regular edition they're over a two-hour time commitment right that is very much correct yes so why not if you're going to put the time into it why not put in the extra 45 minutes and and complete the story you know like even when i'm marathoning something i feel like i've accomplished something when i sit there for a long time and get through it with lord of the rings you're getting so much for your money like especially that how much was that this was actually $90 off plus off of list price. So it was actually about $26, $25.99 to be exact, which again is about $90 off list price. And I just cannot be happier because I have it now on Blu-ray. I've had the extended version on DVD. I have it still kept it nice. Since there's no 4K version yet, to the best of my knowledge, I had to get the extended versions on blu-ray just to be shown and upgraded to the best possible way to view it it's just it's, oh, i'm just so happy just so thrilled precious okay, right so let me ask you this we pay how much for a video game like shadow of the tomb raider right i played through that probably in six seven hours that costs 60 dollars. 25 dollars for lord of the rings and you're getting about 
nine hours worth of entertainment plus a buttload of extra hours you can spend on the bonus features so i think that if you are on the fence about that like you need to have your sanity checked because that is probably one of the best deals you could ever have right there and unfortunately it was only a one-day sale but i would imagine if you keep your eyes on it over the course of the next few weeks leading up to and including black friday and cyber monday I have a feeling this set will go on sale once again. Will it be the $25.99? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think it will probably be somewhere in the high 20s to low 30s, to be honest with you. I think there will still be a substantial discount at some point in time for this set. We'll keep an eye on it too. And if we get wind of another great deal on it, we'll go ahead and spread that out to our followers out there. But yeah, at twenty five ninety nine, I just it was just something that we we as a as a family, especially my wife and I, who are huge Lord of the Rings fans, could not pass up. Precious, my precious, Josh. Moving on to our actual subjects of the day, Bohemian Rhapsody killed it at the box office. Expectations were in the about the low thirties. And it hit a right around the $50 million mark this weekend domestically at the box office. It looks like it'll be a film that probably touches on right around the $100 million to $120 million mark domestically here at the box office, which will probably lead to maybe, what, two to $250 million worldwide, which for a purported $50 million production budget is really a good trade-off. You know, it gets it into the upper stratosphere of music biopics such as Straight Outta Compton, and there's only a few others that have achieve that kind of success. Your thoughts on why Bohemian Rhapsody was so much a success, and that's going to lead us into our next conversation about our thoughts on other bands that might do it. But before we get on that, let's hear your thoughts on why Bohemian Rhapsody seemed to have connected with a lot of viewers out there that went and actually watched this movie. Well, I think it's got a couple things going. One, it's just the fact that like these are all songs... Like they were, Queen was responsible for a lot of the stuff that it spans several generations, right? Like it's stuff that you grew up with, stuff that I kind of grew up with, like uh, watching Mighty Ducks and stuff like that. So it, it's stuff that like that's been on video games. They were rock band, Guitar Hero, things like that. It's music that spans generations. It's kind of, in my opinion, Queen is kind of like completely different genres, but they're kind of like Bob Seger. You know how Bob Seger was popular in movie soundtracks in the 80s and 90s and he still is played today and he like he's finally on his last tour right now and then not just for nostalgia and the generational gap but i also think queen has going for them the fact that freddie mercury had all this stuff going on behind the scenes that didn't actually get brought to the spotlight until what i want to say 10 15 years ago when people started speaking out about him but now like that stuff is so socially and culturally relevant that people want to know about it and the the biopic had a good chance to kind of tackle a lot of those things but i did want to ask you about this though is the fact that the band originally did not want to focus on mercury's you know hiv and his struggle with his sexuality and all that stuff they wanted to focus on the band and how they came together but i know you're probably a fan of queen and you're a fan of movies would you have found a way to balance that? How would you have dealt with what the band wanted and what should have gone into the movie? Unfortunately, when you're going ahead and creating a movie such as that, you can't do one without the other because they play such a pivotal role within the context of the Queen story. I mean, you cannot just go ahead and detach or diminish or the amount of importance of the latter stages of the band's success 
with Freddie Mercury and his ailment as he was getting sicker and sicker and, and less performances and the Live Aid, which was his final performance with Queen. I mean, you cannot underestimate how important that was to the actual overall story arc of Queen. Yes, I am certain that Queen wanted to go ahead and have a storytelling of their narrative as a whole and as a group. But while that's great to hear the rags to riches story and all that, Freddie Mercury was the face of Queen. He is what everybody knows. Now, basically, everybody hears when they listen to their songs. So his prominence out there and being at the forefront of Queen for so many years, and unfortunately, his affliction and his downfall being the reason why Queen could have done so much more, but unfortunately couldn't because of his ailment. You, you have to bookend one with the other. You cannot have a predominant movie about Queen's rise to fame and then just put his ailment and his tragic ending on the side and just leave it as a sidebar. That is basically what people were drawn in to see is the Freddie Mercury character. People were more focused on Remy Malek's performance than the actual story of Queen itself. Right, it's hard to really like go into what inspired these great songs. What was the the madness behind it all without really diving into the the persona that was Freddie Mercury? And from what I understand, like the reviews I've been reading, a lot of people say that they didn't dive far enough into it. And Remy Malik was absolutely amazing, but he didn't get the script that he deserved. And so I I haven't seen it yet. I do want to go kind of check it out. So do I. So do I. But yes, the reviews are mixed for it, even though. Remy Malik may still get a lot of notice and as far as possibly during award season for his performance, it is getting an A grade from the cinema scores. So the audiences themselves are truly enjoying it, even though the critics are kind of like you said, this overall story arc is eh, whatnot. Again, I think it should have been an R-rated film. I think whether it's Remy Malek or Sasha Baracone, who is also rumored to play the role while it was in its development years, that didn't work out. Remy Malik looks like he came in and did a fine job playing Freddie Mercury, but you're right. He wasn't given enough on that realm. And I think a lot of it is in large part due to the fact it wasn't going all out or couldn't go all out because it had a PG-13 rating. But that leads me into our last question on this subject, my friend. And that is, if you were to make a music biopic, if you were that music executive, what groups, bands, or artists in the music industry would you lean into as far as making a music biopic that you know would be of good quality, but also translate well with audiences? These aren't in any particular order. My Chemical Romance, because they really did define an entire generation of music, my generation. So like, you know, generations before had grunge, and then before that there was hair metal, before that there was the, the, the birth of prog rock, and so on and so forth. For my generation, as far as emo music was concerned, like My Chemical Romance was it. Like they were so polarizing because they were like, you know, it wasn't cool back then to be emo, but at the same time, it was, you know, like you don't want to be this vulnerable because people are going to make fun of you. And that's how you got bullied. But then look where we are now, 10, 15 years later, where people are being vulnerable and it's not cool to be a bully. So the tables have really turned there. But My Chemical Romance was the first band. Like Gerard Way was kind of the first person to to really put his depression and, and suicidal thoughts out in the public eye there. Just seeing how that all came together, I'd love that. Pearl Jam is another one. I don't know if you've read any of the Pearl Jam biographies that are out there, but I'm fascinated with the idea that Chris Cornell was responsible for creating Pearl Jam. Chris Cornell ended up dropping out of 
Pearl Jam to do Soundgarden, and they eventually came back together to do Temple of Dog. But anyways, Pearl Jam had recorded this stuff, and they sent it off to Eddie Vedder, who at the time was living in, in a van. And so they sent him the stuff, and he just put vocals over it. So, like, he didn't actually have any, like, part in the writing process of 10. It was kind of like someone sent him a, a soundtrack without vocals, and he put his vocals on top of it, and that's how the legend was born. And then my third one would probably be a, a band called 100 Reasons because we don't really talk about, with, with the exception of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, the music scene in England kind of disappeared as in, in American culture after that for a while. But 100 Reasons kind of brought it back with lending rock and post-hardcore together, and they are still one of the biggest bands over there, and they are now touring under the, the name of Undead Raisins, doing their old stuff acoustically now, so... I would love to see that, you know, and how they got big and they ended up touring with Thrice and 10 Year and stuff like that. But I want to ask you this, Gerald. Who do you think would make a good biopic? Well, before I get to my list, I wanted to add one in there that just popped into my head while you were talking. And when it comes to 80s bands, they don't usually have, for the most part, maybe a group like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. But for the most part, they don't have artist bands or whatnot that has many of those super tragic endings or that that we're hearing about with a lot of these 90s bands like the cranberries and and some others that were out there that that you are more familiar with because a lot of these 90s bands have really had some tragic endings some bad breakups some bad things happened to them though of course 80s bands did too from time to time but for the most part we're hearing more a lot of these drama stories that could be developed about 90s bands i know the one that i've thought about as well recently when I was talking to you about this was Oasis with the Gallagher brothers. Those two, I would love to get like an R-rated drama of those two, the, the type of arguments that they had and the bad breakup and the success that they could have had because they left out literally on top of the world with their music and because of their issues, walked away from each other just to get a, an idea or a dramatization of that breakup would be kind of cool. Journey, we talked about a little bit and seeing them as far as their heights to success and then Steve Perry's messy breakup. I'd like to see and hear more about that. The one I'd probably say is fits best because of the fact that they had success outside of their general band is Van Halen. That interplay with the reunion tours, the breakups, Sammy Hagar coming in, Sammy Hagar being kicked out, Michael Anthony getting kicked out for Van Halen's son. Just the juice over the course of the, the what, almost 40 years now since they started playing with each other. I think Van Halen, Journey, Oasis, those will all be great stories. And Duran Duran. I would probably think that would be a great story to tell as far as the early rise of British pop music in the 80s that really dominated a great part of the 80s scene. And the fact that they were the face of MTV at one time and the fact that they were able to go ahead after a fall from grace as far as with the listeners out there, that they were able to rebirth themselves in the early 90s with a successful album. That would be a nice story to tell doesn't have a tragic ending like what we're seeing with Queen, but I think it would still be a great story nonetheless. You and I have got to go check out the film. I know that it's going to be one of the movies that we got to see before the end of the year if Remy Malek's performance is as good as everyone says it is. With critics, it's been tossed about as, as being okay, not okay, really bad, really good. It's all over the place. But with fans, it's getting a great rating, and ultimately, that's what matters. 
What are your thoughts on Bohemian Rhapsody? Did you check it out this weekend? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? How was Remy Malek's performance as Freddie Mercury? Should a telling of the Queen story be focused more on him or on Queen? And what are your thoughts out there on a band or a group or an artist from any diverse background possibly getting a biopic? We'd love to hear your ideas on that. And what do you think of our ideas? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, like I said, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast coming up. Also as well, Jessica Boggs from thetvraceguide.com, just to let you know, also did a really extended feature article on the Pop Culture Cosmos. So you got to check it out on their great site, thetvraceguide.com. And on top of that, we've got an extra conversation with Mike Faber from the ESO Network and Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And after that, Josh and I will be back on the back end of the show quickly talking about BlizzCon, what happened, and wasn't enough to keep everyone interested in what's going on at Blizzard. But first, we've got a great song coming up right now from our good friend Warren Fernandez, a.k.a. Emoji Engine. you got to check out all of his great songs today on Bandcamp. Just type in Emoji Engine. That's E-M-O-J-I-E-N-J-I-N. This is Modern Mythology, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. But it wouldn't be a fantasy football painter podcast now, would it, if it weren't for the fantasy football guru? If you need to ask him questions on fantasy football, please join us today at the Fantasy Football Painter Podcast Facebook group. You just sign up. It's that easy. It takes just a couple seconds. Boom, you're in the group. You got over 200 different kinds of fantasy football owners that are out there all sharing their opinions on trades, waiver wire pickups, and the whole nine yards. And you can ask even him directly with any questions that you might have covering the world of fantasy football. Anything else, you're on your own. (laughs) But it is my good friend, our guru indeed. It is Tyler Baker. Another great weekend in the NFL, my friend. Oh, man. Did you happen to see that Rams-Saints game? I made an effort to check it out. What a shootout. Kind of surprised me a little bit because it just shows that a good offense is better Mm. than a good defense. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't think the better team won, but you have to give it to New Orleans. Drew Brees, I mean, he's just so good. 346 yards, four passing touchdowns. I mean, (laughs) when he's in the zone, you're not going to stop him. Aaron Donald, all those guys up front, you're just not going to stop Drew Brees when he gets in the zone. And he is just having one of those years breaking records. Of course, they were playing at home. And when you play in New Orleans, that is an advantage for the Saints. But man, what a great game. It was high scoring. And each one of these teams is just so packed with talent. It was such a pleasure to watch. Now, you had said that you thought the better team lost. And you and I both had talked about at length over the course of the season how we both thought that the Rams are the best team in the NFL or were the best team in the NFL. In fact, we both probably still think, when it comes right down to it, that the Rams are still the best 53-man roster that's out there. But seeing the evidence of what happened this weekend with the game in the Superdome, If the New Orleans Saints get a playoff game against the Rams Mm -hmm. in the Superdome, (laughs) i.e. an NFC championship perhaps, there could be some really good – not only could be a barn burner, not only could be a great shootout, but they definitely do stand a chance of making a great impression and heading on to the Super Bowl if that's the case. Yeah, we're going to see both of these teams again in the playoffs. And if the two best teams in the NFC – 
go and meet in the NFC Championship. It could be these two teams. I still have some questions about New Orleans, but we very well could see these two teams again, and they're going to be watching a lot of this game to prepare for the next time that they play. And I can't help but wonder when Sean Payton is going to stop putting Tims and Hill in. It just seems like it's just too slick, too fun to have Taysom Hill in there. And and I am wondering if they're going to kind of outgrow that phase and stick to Drew Brees under center every single snap. Well, what bothers me is the fact that you go out of your way to create a defensive line with a whole bunch of great names, and then you go out at the trading deadline and get one more, mm-hmm. and you still cannot effectively rush a, what, 40-year-old passer that's out there. <laughs> it just blows my mind yeah. how the schemes of an offensive line, when it's done correctly and when you have effective offensive line play, that can neutralize a whole entire defense, especially a vaunted defensive line. Yeah, they're going to have to get used to playing together a little bit. That's going to take a little bit of time. But Drew Brees, like you said, he didn't take a sack tonight. The guy was just amazing. He was in the zone at home. You know, this is just one of those football games where, I mean, he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he showed it. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. You can check out our extended episodes each and every week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Plus, if you have any questions for him, you can email us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But a great place to go is the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group, and you can ask him directly. He just loves helping out people when it comes to fantasy football. My friend, it's been another great weekend in the NFL. So glad you and I could talk about it. Looking forward to talking more to you about week 10 in the NFL coming up. This cannot wait for it. And that'll be on our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse. It's always great to have you here as part of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. And of course, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show, and this is Gerald coming right back at you here. We have got our expert here. When it comes to the TV scene, we're going to start doing this a little bit more often to get you up to speed on what's going on with television. It is my good friend. She is one of the lead writers at the TV Ratings Guide. You got to check out everything that's going on today at the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great things that are going on there. Plus, also get their updates at TV Ratings Guide on Facebook and Twitter. It is my good friend. It is Jessica Boggs. Welcome back, Jessica. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here, too. I got to ask you. It's your favorite network. (laughs) It's almost like my crazy ex-girlfriend. It is is the CW. And all puns aside, CW, yes, it is getting some love from a devoted series of fans. But I want to know more about what's going on with the CW because to the individuals out there that follow pop culture, 
No, it does not stand up as far as overall as a network when you compare it to ABC, CBS, NBC, or Fox when it comes to ratings. But there are some shows out there in the CW that, whether it's good or bad, always seem to trend in pop culture. So let everyone out there know what's the latest, both good and bad, with the CW. Well, I did write the latest Renew Cancel for CW, and their ratings have declined overall, but they're still this clear divide between CBS and WB with their co-productions. And I've recently upgraded Charmed and Dynasty onto certain renewals. Charmed being because they're the highest rated fall rookie show on the CW, even though it's a CBS production. And Dynasty because it rose in week two and it's mostly steady but it has like the cost factor into it. Netflix is paying for this show to be on the air. All American and Legacies are the clear weak links so far. Social media at this point did not translate into audiences for that show so far. And although it's still too early to tell, like it tied like some other CW shows in there that are WB and all American rose to like a point three this past week. And I've got it leaning towards cancellation, but not 100%. And the only reason is they're produced by WB, not CBS. CBS can get away with ratings at that level, but not WB. So now we're heading towards cable, and which is not really surprising with the big talking point this week in cable is the Heathers reboot. And unsurprisingly, it got very low ratings it premiered on Paramount to a 0.03, which was lower than what Nobody's got. And Nobody's was that comedy that moved back to TV land because of ratings like that on Paramount. And on the other hand, this was the show that got canceled before it got put on the air and then inexplicably got put back on the network because there were no buyers. And the show is pretty controversial because... You know, it has like glorified suicide, gun violence, and heavy bullying, kind of like a insatiable type thing. And it had burn-off scheduling on consecutive nights. And that doesn't signify confidence in the programming. Ratings at this level, what got canceled, nobody's pulled from the Paramount, moved back to TV land. With all the scripted development that's going on since Yellowstone's success and Younger's move to the network from TV land, I don't think there's no room for it. But that's what I want to talk to you about when it comes to the Paramount Network. The Paramount Network does not have that much in the way of original shows that it didn't steal already or take from the actual previous iteration it was. And there's not a lot of original programming that Paramount Network has of its own that it can claim that is garnering any type of success. So you see Heather's actually still being either given the, the cancellation because I, too, have followed the actual news on what's going on with the Heather show and how it was a show that was going to be canceled because of all the controversial items that are within the program itself. Do you think that it is wise for them to go ahead and cancel something that's earning any type of halfway ratings for the network? Because I don't see many shows earning what Yellowstone did on the Paramount Network because I see the Paramount Network having any type of shows that are on there are only going to be earning a 0.34 or 5 at this point in time, similar to what we see with TNT and some other networks that do have a decent profile, 
But once they're on the air, those shows seem to go ahead and only have a limited amount of viewers watching it. Exactly. And we're still waiting on some extra episodes from Cops. And then there's Ink Master point two and then Bar Rescue at point three. But and those shows, like I said, those shows are for, based off of a, people watching it from its from the network's previous iteration. And they already have a built-in audience. And those shows get repeated quite a bit. So a lot syndication or actually just repeats, it's a lot of their business as well. Exactly. But we also have the American Woman was just canceled. And although Lip Sync Battle was recently renewed, the ratings for that show were in serious decline into point one territory. Waco was their first scripted entry. And it did really well in the network. Unlike all the other previous scripted iterations on Spike TV, they tried the Shannara Chronicles on Spike and it didn't do well. So the audience is basically not warmed up to any show that's currently on the air as far as scripted goes. Not surprising because it's very hard to translate that type of drama and audience. I mean, FX has seen some seriously good programs, good dramas. For the most part, a lot of them have not been able to garner huge audiences. How is MC Mayans doing? I really want to know because it did have a strong start. Is it holding any type of audience that's comparable to the Sons of Anarchy? No, it's not. The recent one was in the point fours, almost at point fives range, which is still pretty good for FX, but... Considering the start time at a 1.0, like it's not holding any of its audience, but it's still doing well for the network overall. But the only thing at this point would be the cost issue is going to determine what goes from there. Fair enough. A lot of great information and an awesome update indeed. It is Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. Check out her work and everybody else's fantastic work at the TVRatingsGuide.com. Jessica, it's always great to have you on the show. Like I was telling you before we went on the air, it'd be awesome if you have the time to go ahead and continually update us with what's going on in the TV scene a little bit more often. You're always welcome to do so. And also anytime some breaking news happens, you want to go ahead and, and come on the show for, you're always welcome to do that as well. But I'm hoping to get everybody from the TVRaisingGuide.com or as many together as possible at the end of the year as well, along with your updates, to come on the show and, and give us a good and bad of 2018. And oh my gosh, wait for the bad because that's my favorite part of the worst television on 2018. Yeah, the best of television is great too, but you know me. I like to go ahead and, and just sound off on the worst stuff. But yeah, and they won't all be CW, I promise. Well, I do have a couple of worse ones on the list and oh, <laughs> we'll Oops. keep that a secret for the end of the year okay we'll keep your list ready at the end of the year you get that list down you get that list ready <laughs> along with everybody else at the tv ratings guide.com that was a spoiler alert <laughs> yes yes spoiler spoiler alert. yes one right there but i do need you to come back on so you can give us a going into december update because we will start to see shows being canceled within the next four weeks the really poor performers will start getting the axe very soon. And I'd want you to be able to go ahead and update our viewers on that because we truly appreciate you being part here of the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. 
In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back of the show. This is Gerald Glassford once again from the Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thank you so much for being part of today's program, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I think should change its name to the Music Hall of Fame because they no longer really always represent rock and roll. And we've actually got Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast and also Mike Faber from the ESO Network. Guys, it's great to have you on the show. Wanted to hear both your thoughts. Should they just at this point change the rock and roll out of it and just leave it as the music hall of fame at this point? Because I think they should just go ahead and just give up this rock and roll when they're all these acts that are coming in that are deserving are just not translating what rock and roll is about. And it should just be left to maybe called a music hall of fame or whatever it is you want to go ahead and call it, but something other than the rock and roll hall of fame. Mike, I want to get your thoughts on that. And then Kevin, I'll get yours as well. Oh, I agree completely that I think the term Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is kind of outdated. Rock and Roll was had its roots in bluegrass, in the blues, in soul music. There's so many th- inspirations that are being left out because of it. And, you know, rock and roll is not what rock and roll once was. If you want to call it rock and roll, Keep it pure. Don't put rap in. Don't put some of these folk music stars. Don't put country music in. Don't put soul and R&B. And or synthesized music. Or exactly. Anything. exactly. It's ridiculous if you're going to do that. But it's time to change it to the Music Hall of Fame. Make it all incorporating. And, you know, literally with so much great music out and so many artists that they're missing out, out on there is a bluegrass hall of fame there's a country music hall of fame and why not combine them all bring in those people that have been influencers bringing in people who made it to the rock and roll top 40 or the pop music top 40 why not include them why not include even more of the electronic music that's starting to come in I know it's 25 years, I think, that they have to do to, you know, from the release of their first album for the artist to be inducted. 25 years ago, for me, that's when I was seeing grunge music in Seattle. That's when I was going to see a lot of these mixed bands when you started getting into what they call like Newgrass or some of the newer folk music or some of the crossover country artists. A lot of the newer country artists like Garth Brooks should definitely be in here. He's bigger. He's had many hits on the top 40 and number one, and he's influenced rock stars and such. So where do we draw the line? Let's pull this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame down and just make it the Music Hall of Fame. I agree with you 100%. Just combine them all, put them in one central location, keep it in Cleveland if you want, what have you, put them all in there, put them all combined and make it one big happy thing for all music fans to enjoy. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that? Should it just be left to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or something different? I like the name Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I like that 
it's not strictly rock and roll. Monkeys omissions aside, I tend to like the way that way that this works in that there's room to bring in artists that are not strictly rock and roll. If you're adjacent to popular music in America, I think there's a spot for you. But I, I like the name Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So when when you bring in an act like Madonna, like Madonna's not rock and roll. I heard people complain at the time. And I think, well, yeah, she's not rock. She, she's pop, certainly. But Madonna's a cultural phenomenon, and she deserves to be in. Country is an area that's a gap for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's not a lot of country in the Hall of Fame currently. And I agree. Garth Brooks, I think, deserves to get in. And you could look at a bunch of people. I mean, off the top of my head, the only country act I can think of is going way back, and that's Johnny Cash. Johnny is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you know, he goes back to that early era with when it was kind of coming out of its rockabilly roots with Perkins and all those guys. But yeah, I would look at you know Dolly Parton. I would look at Willie look Nelson. Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers, absolutely. So sure, I, I would have no problem with, with those kind of... Willie Nelson? Coming in. Yeah, yeah, Willie Nelson, definitely. So now that said, every single last little country artist, I don't think necessarily needs to go in, but that's why we no. have a country, a country music hall of fame. So I guess my feeling is that I don't get hung up on the name. I like the name. And I like the fact that they can be more inclusive than just pure, let's only let in the Ramones. <laughs> that might be tightening the rules a little too much. All right. Well, that's some great thoughts. Tell you what, guys, it's been great having you on the show. But before we head on out, I want to hear why your shows on both the ESO Network for you, Mike, and the Flopcast for you, Kevin, are so awesome. Mike, I'm going to have you go off first on why the ESO Network is the place to go for everything geek. Well, because it is a station by geeks for geeks. And it is right now 27 different shows, all filled with fun geekiness. And we basically, you know, talk about any topic you could think of that's geek related. There's shows like PCC, there's the Flopcast, there's Dr. Geek, which talks about science. We have the Pro Wrestling Roundtable hence what the name is. And then we also have Earth Station Who, which is a Doctor Who podcast. We have multiple Doctor Who podcasts. We have literature podcasts. We have a podcast talking about mysteries. It's amazing what geek culture could be about. And as we say on Earth Station One, which is the mothership show, as people like to call it, you could be a geek about anything and you could be a geek about art. You could be a geek about fantasy. You could be a geek about sports, nature, the weather, music. How about that music? You could be a geek about. So, you know, earth station one is, you know, your place for everything geek. And as we like slogan on that is it's time to let your inner geek out to play. And, you know, that's what the ESO network represents. It's a family of shows that represent everything that's geek. And you can find us, of course, at esonetwork.com. That's esonetwork.com everywhere. Or reach out to them on their awesome social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter. Just reach out to them. Got to check out everything that they have to offer with all the great shows, including ours, Kevin, the PCC, the PCC Multiverse, and, of course, the awesome show, The Flopcast, which has an unusual fascination with Saturday morning television and some chickens every now and then. Yeah, the Flopcast is my little corner of the ESO network. And yeah, our show tends to be probably the silliest, goofiest show on the network, I think. I hope that's what we're striving for. And you, know, you strive for it well. You aim high. 
<laughs> we do tend to talk about chickens a lot for no particular reason. But beyond that, it's a lot of pop culture based, uh, especially stuff from the 70s and 80s, uh, 70s, 80s nostalgia talk, a lot of music talk. I think uh, we talk more about music than probably most of the other shows on the network. We go out to concerts all the time and report about them on the show. We go to conventions. So we have a lot to talk about coming up. I'm only half of the Flopcast because I have a wonderful co-host who, who people tend to like way more than me. That's Cornflake, and she's the best, so you get to hear Cornflake when you tune in as well. It's not just me whining about the monkeys every week. And you can find us at Flopcast.net. That's right. It's Flopcast.net. You check out all their great shows. You're up to, what, 330-something, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, wow, that is correct. We are in the 330s as far as total episodes. We, we've been putting out an episode every single week without fail for about six and a half years now. You guys are nothing compared to us. <laughs> We're just getting started. Compared I know, to when, you get to, when you get to the big boys at the ESO network, you know, just let them know. Just let them know. Yeah. Exactly. When do you guys pass 400, then I'll start being impressed. That's right, because you're, you're in the 400s now, correct? Yep, we're coming up very quickly on episode 450. Wow, wow, that's amazing. I know I've done about 450, 500 combined, and I looked oh, at it. That's not our combined. Our combined no, no. is probably over 1,000, because we also do the Dragon Con report, and we also do Earth Station Who, and Earth Station Who is five episodes short right now of our 200th episode wow that's just amazing and you both should be applauded for your longevity within the podcasting marketplace or and maybe you guys should be committed like myself i don't know <laughs> well my wife says there's a room with a straitjacket waiting for me guys it's been a great pleasure having you on the show having you part of the actual scene here talking about the rock and roll hall of fame just truly a pleasure to have you both on that is Mike Faber from the ESO Network and Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast. Guys, it's so great to have you on the show, part of the program, and of course, right here, a part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. want to thank Tyler Baker, Jessica Boggs, Mike Faber, Kevin Eldridge and Warren Fernandez for all contributing to the show today. Cannot thank them enough for doing so. If you need a listing of all the networks that we're on, on radio, because we're being played all around the world on 15 different great stations, seven days a week, we're going to be somewhere played sometime and whatnot. If you need that listing and schedule of where we're at, check it out today on pop culture cosmos and game source on Facebook. It also has Many of our over 30 great podcast networks, including Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as well. My friend, tell you what, a lot going on in Humanica Media now, now that you've got the popculturecosmos.com site up and running. What is going on with the tremendous things at Humanica Media? Ooh, just a lot, man. whole lot going on. Topicocalypse mostly just put out a new episode today. Also, just maintaining the pop culture cosmos site. So as soon as I catch up on all the work out there, 
then I will be able to focus on some new and exciting content, which everyone will know about as soon as I know about it. What about the PCC Gamescast that you got to go ahead and film and record over the weekend in honor of the Extra Life? That's going to be coming as an episode two as well, correct? Yeah, I plan on getting it out there as soon as I, if I get around to editing it. But for now, you can check it out on the Humanican Media YouTube page. That comes out in three parts right now on YouTube, but hopefully it'll be coming soon to a podcast to you as well. My friend, before we head on out, got a chance to check out everything that's going on with BlizzCon, but unfortunately there wasn't a lot going on at BlizzCon. It didn't seem like there was a lot of big news coming up, in my opinion. I don't know, am I wrong? But I didn't hear really anything new, new, new announced that was big, just Options that were were brought out for StarCraft II, Diablo Immortal was talked about as far as a new game coming for mobile units. That's great. An expansion for Hearthstone. Warcraft 3 is being reimagined. Yay. Just other minor things for that were coming up for Overwatch. And there's, you know, they got a new animated short and a cinematic for WoW and they said Destiny 2 is going free on PC, which is, yeah, great, but it was already out for free on the consoles, and, and there's a new character for Heroes of the Storm. Not a whole lot, man, that gets me excited. Not a whole lot of that, pun intended, wow factor there. What do you think is really going on at Blizzard, and do you think they're really going to be able to keep their status as a big AAA game center, especially the fact that there's so many other entities out there that are garnering so much more of the spotlight with Red Dead Redemption 2, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and most importantly, what's going on at Fortnite? All right, well, here's my my opinion of Blizzard is that Blizzard is very isolating when it comes to, to games. And it, it's a great idea that they're putting Diablo out on the Switch. Like, absolutely love the thought of that. And that's coming out this week, Diablo 3 to the Switch. So everybody that hasn't played it yet or has played it and they want to do it again, it's coming out this week on Switch. So with the exception of like Overwatch, though, there's not really a lot of love from Blizzard for console gamers. And as much as like the Internet and fanboys will have you believe, I, I'm still under the impression that console gamers far outnumber PC gamers. But PC gamers are those people who can keep going back and forth to play things. And as soon as like Blizzard comes out with something new, they will take the time to go play it. And because of that, Blizzard has this, this tendency to focus on fans they already have instead of trying to build new ones. And luckily, you know, since you know World of Warcraft had created such a big following, they've managed to stay uh, you know on top of their game for so long. But there's so many good games coming out, you know, on the Switch, the Xbox, PlayStation, stuff like that, especially this season. Like, there's a lot. There's a, a whole lot of games. Blizzard's going to have to do something, you know? It's going to take more. They, what, they haven't had a new Warcraft game come out in a long time. And remastering Warcraft 3, well, yeah, people will go back and play it, I'm sure. It's it's not putting out new content, you know? It's not. It's like they're they're just working on things they've already done instead of putting things new out. And I think that even after a while, even PC gamers are going to get tired of that unless they make a move to, to put console gaming as a priority in their thing. Because BlizzCon, while it's popular, it doesn't get nearly as many as much excitement or hype as like a E3 or PAX or something like that. You know what I mean? 
I know what you mean. And even the League of Legends, which had their world championships recently, even that, which normally garners a lot of attention on streaming outlets, it gets usually a large crowd. It's kind of subdued this year, along with everything that went on at BlizzCon, because not only was there not a lot of stuff that was announced that was effective to a general and wide audience, it just didn't seem that everybody has the kind of interest that they once did with both what's going on with Blizzard and what's also going on with League of Legends. They were just both mainly catering to the hardcore audience that they have, which just supports it without hesitation. But garnering a, an outside audience doesn't seem to be of interest right now to both entities because of the fact that Fortnite, Red Dead Redemption 2, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, they're, they're all doing really well right now. And they're capturing the imagination of a lot of people out there. And maybe they're taking a little bit of a break or just a little bit of a downturn. Maybe we're seeing a, a little bit of bump in the road for, for entities, like, like I said, for League of Legends and also for everything from Blizzard as well. We're seeing a little bit something as far as a maybe just a just a lull from them before next year they come out with more great stuff. Yeah, I I want to say I hope so because they're definitely well they're owned by Activision, but they got talent. There's a lot of stuff that I'm almost sure would look good on consoles and could. I mean, look at what what Square's done with the Final Fantasy series. Like they've brought a bunch of people together. Like they've brought Xbox and PlayStation and all that stuff. Like the They've created these massive communities, and I think that Blizzard has the same potential to do something like that, but they don't, and I don't know why they don't do it, but I think that they can only ride the coattails of the last Warcraft game for so long before people get tired of it. Exactly. So right now, I don't see much of a wow factor with what's going on at Blizzard and also League of Legends at this point in time, but things can change. And with just a few tweaks, a few changes, and a few things that they need to do and promote, it could be once again time for games like WoW and anything else produced by Blizzard to get themselves back into the major spotlight once again. What are your thoughts on what went on with the League of Legends World Championships? And also, what went on at BlizzCon? Were you excited about all the announcements at BlizzCon? Were you kind of underwhelmed? What do you see as the future for BlizzCon, the World of Warcraft, and so much more that they have to offer? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So Josh, it's been another great episode, really packed with a whole bunch of great stuff and pop culture out there. Got a lot of stuff that we're gonna be working on for our popculturecosmos.com website, and also our Friday episode of the PCC Multiverse. Any last thoughts on the way out? Check out the website today at www.popculturecosmos.com and you can check out everything that we've got going. We'll have an exclusive video of Gerald petting the spine of Lord of the Rings extended cuts, like Harry Potter does that book where it makes it open after all the teeth are going. You know what? That's what I'm going to do. I will do an unboxing of... My precious. It's his precious, guys. My precious. Precious. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. Precious pop culture cosmos. Yes. Precious. It's precious. Yes. 
And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Do you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.